I guess we'll actually start. Hey, ready? Go. All right, Cleet Lars on three. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome one and all to another rousing rendition of Smathcast. Uh, Smathcast. So Sounds so tired. Sounds so tired. <laughs> Want to get him like a <laughs> coffee or something? He sounds exhausted. I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually. I, I think it's my microphone's too loud in my ears because I, I'm like talking as if everybody else is getting yelled at by me. But it's really just me that's yelling at me right now. Um, so anyway, uh, here we are, Smathcast special edition. Uh, it's not really a special edition. It's uh, one of our first board of directors exclusives in a while, though. So I'm pretty excited about this tonight. Tonight we have, uh, of course, Presidente Alande de Venable, Alan Venable. And I've been called worse. That was Venezuela. I thought we'd describe it. Uh, yeah, Venezuela. Venezuela. Uh, we have the two-star emperor himself, Nick Richardson. That's me. And uh, of course, the chief tech officer, the mistress of Seresu. And don't get it twisted; she'll whoop your butt in every video game you've ever decided to play. Miss uh, <laughs> Katie Maine from San Diego Sabers. And tonight. We're going to get into, <clears throat> I think it's like a sensitive topic that we're probably, we're not going to treat it so sensitively. We're going to be pretty candid. Um, we're going to try and be respectful too, but we're going to talk about some of the trials and tribulations of like starting a saber school or a saber club. Um, specifically, or not not really specific to SMAF, although that's the lens we're going to probably look at most things through um but just in general from our experiences interacting with other groups interacting with our own groups um kind of what works and what doesn't and we've all done probably a bunch of stuff that doesn't work in the last few years with our own groups and clearly a bunch of stuff that did work because we we all still have students so um Let's start out with, let's spout off like one thing. We'll start positive. One thing that you know definitely works when you're starting a new Saber group or school or club or something like that. First off, you have to have more than just you swinging a lightsaber around. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing is to have more than one person. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're going to have a Saber school, you gotta not just be the guy with a lightsaber. Yeah, you have to have a student, a uh, partner, somebody that you're working with. Um, because if you don't, then you're just a guy having his own personal rave with a glow stick in the park. <laughs> right? True. So, uh, <laughs> um, so first, first and foremost, you need more people. Right. So more than yourself. And uh, if you are thinking about a saber school, chances are you already have that. Um, it, I mean, maybe it's something that you and just your buddy are doing. Maybe it's something that you've thought of before and just not um, uh, put into words. Right. But sometimes every, sometimes things start with like, hey, let's recreate something, mm -hmm. right? And which is wonderful because now 
doing choreography and doing uh, to trying to figure out what they're trying to do in those techniques actually is still martial arts. It's still the art part of martial arts. Mm-hmm. And that's the first step. You realize you realize that you want more. That's the first step of a saber school with your friends. I like that. Nick, why don't you why don't you give us one thing you know works? All right, that you know that's a you know something that works really well for me is meeting at the same location in a public place, consistent time with, with at a consistent time, right? That has worked so phenomenally well. I found my schedule from like 2015 when I was head instructor of Cotno. It's literally the same days and time that I do now. At the same exact place. Yep. And I've had, I mean, I probably have a group of about 30 people at this point and about 15 to 20 active members. Like it takes time, but you got to have patience if you want to run a school and running a school consistency with meeting and location and place is super important. Well, everybody needs to know the schedule, right? Exactly. And if you're going to have people like, Oh, well, maybe next Wednesday we'll meet guys or hey, what what about Saturday? Saturday sound good? Well, that's great like if you're just starting and you're trying to figure out what works, but eventually you got to figure out what works or just make it work, you know. Big time. Um cool. Katie, same question. Um I feel like a support system is actually a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to base off of San Diego Sabres. When you, when San Diego Sabres first started out, they had three people as the high council, Steve Kirk, my husband, Eric Main, and Robert Chun. And then Amber, Robert's fiance, and then myself were part of the council. So there was five of us. But everybody had their own strengths. Like Steve was tech guy. Eric was the head teacher. Is still the head teacher. And then Robert was very much the face of it. He was, and anytime we had to talk in person, he had the mic. And then Amber and I kind of worked behind the scenes, supporting our significant others through this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having, you can start a school by yourself, but it is such an uphill battle because you are by yourself. Yep. I think having somebody as your equal or somebody that's not too far behind you as your equal or as a student and helping you um, would be such a huge help and such a huge stress relief. Because if somebody, if Eric couldn't make it to a tournament, like not a tournament, but a, a practice or a robber couldn't make it or Steve couldn't make it, we still had two other members of the council, of the high council still at the practice. Right. Um, and now with our new council that, that we have, we have three of the knights as the high council and three uh, in, season initiate and two season Padawans, and they all have their strengths mm-hmm. for a reason, and that's why they were picked. Because you can't, if you spread yourself out too thin, you're just going to burn yourself out, and you're going to be so exhausted. You need to have somebody like either either I recommend an odd number of people, so mm-hmm. three, five. That way, if there is a decision making, it's not like, you know, you're at a standstill with even votes. So I think having understanding, having a support system and then also under, excuse me, understanding how you're going to teach this. How is your school going to (laughs) function? How are you going to like, how are, what is the process of this going to be coming? Like, 
you have to figure out all the fine details. I feel like a lot of people don't understand as soon as you start a school, how are you going to start people with ranks? How is this going to happen? Like, how is testing going to go? What is your basic foundation of combat? What is your right. quote unquote form one or she cho? Because that is your foundation. And so I feel like a lot of schools don't think about that. They're like, oh yeah, I've had this many years of experience of this certain type of fighting. It's like, that's great. Wonderful. You understand of what a martial art is or how swordplay works. How are you going to teach it? That is the, like, that's the thing. But those are my things. How are you going to teach your school? And then you need to have backup because if not, that's, that sucks. They're super related. Like for me, um, my, my quote unquote school is mostly the curriculum that I teach. Right. And then wherever I'm teaching it, um, which was at the dojo in Delaware, um, then I moved to Ohio. So I don't actually teach my students in person. Now I'm teaching them through zoom, but they're teaching in person for me to the younger, less experienced students. So if I didn't have like a good basis in what I was teaching, then I wouldn't have students who could take the reins and teach for me later, you know? So I think what you're saying is they're totally related to each other, you know, uh, having that support system, but also like a base curriculum or a framework of how you're going to translate the information in your head to other people's bodies and brains, you know, yeah, um, yeah. nothing's harder to me than like trying to make somebody do something that they have no prior intuition for. Like, Oh, this is like, I'm trying to make you do martial arts. You've never even thought about martial arts before. You didn't even think that picking up a lightsaber would be martial arts. Right. So, um, now I'm trying to help you do that. That's a hard task with yeah. years and years of experience that's still a hard task so it's really important to nail down how you're going to translate the information yeah i i feel like with everybody especially on the board in most of the schools that at least i know for a fact on the board everybody has at least a second in command i know right. nick has a secretary alan has kenny you have some of your higher up students mm -hmm. eric and i have the knights and now the new council so it's something that if you can't make it, you have to be able to trust this person or 100%. people. Can this run without me here? Right. And I think in going into it, that is why Eric and I were able to actually move mm -hmm. is because we trusted the school enough. We're like, you guys can function on yourselves by yourselves. You, we've seen you do it. We trust you with it. And we like, and if they have any problems or issues, they are always welcome to reach out to us. But the day-to-day -day stuff, that's between among them. Anything huge or questions that they have, they they approach Eric about it because that's how it is. He's a, he's still the head instructor. So well, a lot of that too is is uh, I think you nailed the word trust, right? You know, um, because it does take a lot of trust. Uh, to just say, hey, listen, I can't make it. Can you start the class? Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. that that much enough. Sometimes it's 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 a revelation for the person that you ask that to. Yes, mm -hmm. as well. So it, it's the oh, I, I'm qualified to do that. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I I brought this 
little story up before on the podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Um, I have, well, I haven't taught him now in six months or more, um, but he is 10 years old and he just earned his junior black belt with me last year and had he's been training with um, weapons for a little over a year now. And at the time that I'm thinking of, this kid was just barely 10 and probably had only been doing weapons for six months. And um, I came in on a Saturday morning to teach and I couldn't be in the room. I had like, a, I can't remember, a parent or someone like that asking me questions and stuff and I had to address that. Um, so I just looked at this kid and I knew that he was pretty competent and I just said, okay, you're in charge. I need you to warm people up. I need you to get into a basic exercise, just something that you're familiar with and you can do well and whatever. And I was like, and I just need you to use your, your, like your big boy voice. You know what I mean? And he ended up leading a class full of like, I don't know, maybe six other kids right under his age, maybe eight, nine years old, seven years old. And using all the same language that I use when I lead a warm up, using all the same like stopping at the same points, I would stop to make little corrections on what some of the other kids were doing and stuff. And like not being a total butthead about it either. Like, uh, you're doing this wrong. He was like very measured in the way that he would tell people like little one little thing here keep doing the exercise, one little thing there, keep doing the exercise. And I walked in, and I was like, totally impressed, totally impressed. That so, so much so that I took my phone out and I started recording him. Um, because I had to have like a record of the fact that like, first of all, something I did worked, but like, there's like, <laughs> there's like this physical proof too, that like, I was able to show his parents later when they picked him up, like, Hey, did you know your son could do this? Cause I didn't even know that, you know, and I know more about what he can do usually than the parents do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's kind of some, you know, that's good stuff that works. Let's start getting into a little bit of what doesn't work. So Nick. I like what you, you, you segued into what doesn't work, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't I, have, work. I have been a part of two groups, one of which failed. So that is fair. That can't is blame fair. him on that one. That is fair. <laughs> Nick, I wanted to know before we get into your other question that you mentioned earlier, what what is one of the primary reasons you think that first group failed? Uh, dude there's a lot of reasons i know i, I know mean, i need you to you, I, I need mean, you to be less I mean, how, specific <laughs> i gotta pause my video game for this one uh let me see here um we're podcasting and why are you playing because i can't focus on the podcast if i just think about the podcast. i, I, gotta be I doing totally two understand what you're where you're coming from here can, can you come back to me actually i have to think oh. about it there's oh. a lot there's so many there's so many things well let me toss it back I mean, over I to katie points, because so. katie katie was familiar with both of your groups so katie what do you think just give me like one-ish things that you felt was a big downfall for the pro previous iteration of nick's group consistency teaching consistency uh we had and i'm not going to name names because that's no 
the last Kano tournament that I've participated, uh, San Diego Sabres participated in. It was November 11th, 2000, oh crap, 2018. Uh, 2017-20, I don't know, really. Somewhere around there. It was, the only I remember it was like the day before Eric's birthday because we went out and had dinner. Um, okay. So there was, and Nick knows about this, we've had a lot of issues with certain students uh, mm-hmm. by power scaling, uh, not using the right equipment, uh, just not listening, mm-hmm. period. So having, there was an instructor there or one of the instructors that wasn't hard enough on his students and it, the student was already a, a problem child as it is. Um, I'm saying that he wasn't a child, but he was a problem child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so because of it, we've had almost a lot, we had, we had, a, we had one of San Diego Saber spiders almost ran to the hospital because- oh, wow of yeah no it was bad um so the consistency of punishment or teaching throughout the school needs to be aka consistent you can't be like oh well eh, eh," and lenient on it you have to be like no if one person's punished it needs to be the same throughout right and everybody nobody's handled with kids gloves unless like there's some type of disconnect of communication right that's a different story everybody's unique but the consistent level of usually it's like three strikes and you're out type of thing we had a student in san diego sabers that we got to the point of we had to tell them you can't fight and the thing is though if anybody else was like that it'd be the same way of you can't fight we're not gonna just pick you out because we don't like you or anything. No, it's because we see you're fighting. We've known you for a while. We've seen that you're you're actually a danger, and it's not okay. Right. So it's a consistency of understanding of everything. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be like, oh well, they're okay, or you give them too many chances. No, you have to be consistent throughout the entire thing with everybody because then if that starts happening then you start thinking there's favoritism and you don't want that in the school because that will start stemming with uh oh what's the word i'm looking for uh resentment the resentment yeah. yes because yeah. then you'll start building resentment among the school mm-hmm. it's like well why am i getting a harsh punishment but so and so who did the exact same thing is not getting the same right unless again unless there is something else that was communicated between the student already. You know, that particular thing, I feel like I had an advantage in dealing with that in that most of my students, well, actually, when I, I have one student over 18 right now in Sabre. And um, it's much easier to, I don't want to say reprimand, but I guess that's kind of the right word like a younger student than it is someone who's around your age. I can yeah. understand that. Oh you yeah. Know, I have uh, experienced that. I can yeah. tell any any kid between the ages of like four and twenty four to like chill and just my age alone grants me a little bit of leeway with with them following my directions you know what i mean especially like the 12 year old 14 15 year old category like 
they'll do whatever I say because they don't want to seem like uncool or they don't want to seem like um, people don't want to hang out with them because they're a butthead or anything like that, you know? So as soon as you let somebody that age know, like they're, they're whacking people too hard, like they, they tend to bring it back pretty easily. But with adults, sometimes they think they know better than you, you know? Yeah. And like, really, it's not even about that. It's just about like, you want people to come back to practice and not believe they're going to get hurt every time they come. Yeah, I I think that was an issue with a lot. I I don't think especially newer fighters. This is what I've noticed throughout the years. When newer fighters come into the class and they actually stay with the class, they don't just pop in and go peace and then after one night. When they stay in the class, they start noticing or the seasoned fighters um, will like they'll be like, I don't want to fight newer students because I don't they don't have power control and I'm going to get like made. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that is like it's it's something that needs to be ingrained. It will take time, obviously. Well, SMA, more than a lot of martial arts, like there's zero rewards for KOs. We talk about this all the time. Zero rewards for actual KOs. Like you you literally, it's the essence of technique. And when you're using just literally, like when you're treating it like it's a different art form, stick fighting or kendo or whatever like and you start power scaling to that art form it's a different set of tools a different set of equipment it's a different set of techniques and applications and everybody who's training in that art has a different expectation of what the power output speed output's going to be so when you're talking about savers it's at least for us it's really all about like who can be the most precise who can be the most practiced you know who can show that they can hit somebody in any location, neither person's going to go ow, and, um, and, and it's going to look good, you know, when they hit you. Like, it drives me nuts when I hear people say, well, when I fight, it doesn't look good, but it works. Well, like, who wants to fight and not look good? Right <laughs> now? <laughs> who, who wants to fight and look bad? We'll go back to the, that whole whole thing right where we're, we're talking about well look down you're holding a lightsaber right exactly <laughs> right yeah if you need any more like power scaling than than the fact that you're fighting with toys i mean right <laughs> right and, and usually you spend a couple hundred bucks on on your toy yeah that's yeah. true too why are you smashing Definitely. it into somebody because lol <laughs> right for the lols because <laughs> this is life and death Right. right. So, Alan, I want to ask you the same question I asked Katie, but in a slightly different scope, which is from just an overall martial arts school perspective and kind of how it relates to Saber. Like what what in any martial arts school is like one thing that you have seen time and time again cause people to fail? Basically, not knowing why they're there is the biggest thing. I mean, it, it does come down to showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up. But in, <laughs> if you don't know why you're there, you won't know why to show up. Sure. Mm. Right. So when we're looking at uh, when we're looking at showing up for 
something, anything that you're passionate about, right? You, you breathe it. It's something that's on your mind when you're not there, right? So um, if you're really passionate about cooking, you're thinking about your recipes when you're at work, mm-hmm. right? If you're really passionate about um, lightsabers, you're thinking about, you know, this technique at wherever you are, you know? And even, even if you are, um, even if you're, you're going, hmm, I wonder what hilt I'm going to be bringing, you know, that's part of it. Sure. Because different hilts yield to different styles and different techniques and everything like that. So when you look at, um, if you're looking at building your lightsaber school, are you thinking about it like 50 to 60% of your day? Mm-hmm. you know that that you're waking hours at least when you're like hmm you know what so-and-so is really need some help with their lunch okay what are what are the things i can do okay let me take a look at the park am i there it's it, there's a whole uh, way of thinking that happens when you become a teacher that creates that sort of movement now for people that just show up as students there's only two questions. Can you teach me? And am I able to learn? And sometimes those two things are not yes. Right. And that's why they leave. Right. Because uh, I, I say this all the time, but they don't care who you are. Um, they don't care what you know. They want to know how much you care. So if you care about your students, you're going to try to take them to the next step, whatever it is. It could be, you know, for, for some of us that are competition minded, it is to podium at the next tournament or maybe to get to the next, um, to get out of the pools or whatever it happens. Yeah. To get out of the pools to do that. Or maybe it's to fight this person and then analyze it. Right. You know, so whatever it might be, but it's always to get to the next step, the next level. And that's what martial arts is. It's the constant sharpening of the blade. It's the constant going, hmm, wow, that, that got kind of sloppy. So what can I do to fix that? You know, um, and you know, sometimes it's, it's an injury that, that makes you stop. But if you're still thinking about it, you're still doing it. Right. I have so many students that sit in a chair and do it. They still can move their arms, you know, and, um, even if you, you injured your arm, you got tennis elbow because you did too many lunges or whatever, you know, too, too many swings. Uh, okay. Well, what's your other hand doing? Right. Exactly. You know, work on your footwork. Okay. See, start to do that while you're healing. Injuries are ways to strengthen other areas. Yeah. Well, injuries, uh, are ways previously unimagined to train. Mm can train in ways previously unimagined and you can sit there and, and, and do that. Now, part of that's motivation though. Yeah. And it comes back down to those two questions. Are you just floating like a little rice crispy in a bowl? <laughs> are you just sitting there just kind of hanging out? Is this your hangout or are you actually trying to go somewhere? Now you do want to hang out. You do want to have, be around people that you like, yeah, around sure. like-minded people. However, eventually they'll surpass you if you don't move yourself. Right. We see that all the time. 
Yeah, I mean, long, complicated answer to a, to a somewhat simple question, right? But it has to be said that, yeah, you know what? If you're going to do this, you're going to have to show up and go, okay, X, Y, and Z. Why am I here? Um, you know, and a lot of times, if you find yourself going, you know, I'm going to skip saber practice today because of, you know, this thing that's on TV or whatever, then chances are your, your passion is gone, you know, and on, I know it goes against the Jedi code or whatever. There is no passion, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, it's more compassion than anything. And as teachers, we all talk about uh, compassion. The definition of compassion is giving somebody what they need, not necessarily what they want, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Those of you that are parents out there and even saber moms and dads, right? That take care of their, their groups. It's because you care that you have to say, stop that, do this instead. It's because you care and you want them to grow in a specific way that that happens. So that's, if you find yourself uh, doing that, it's okay because you have a vision for where your school is going. And unfortunately, sometimes people will fall off because of uh, just, you know, that's not their way anymore. It's, it's no, you can no longer teach them the way you need them to be. And that's okay. I mean, after, after a few years of doing it, you're, you're kind of, sometimes it's good riddance, right? And sometimes it's just like, oh man, I really miss that guy or girl, but they moved or, you know, they got a, a job where they just can't make the practice, but I still love them. I still message them every once in a while. They're still part of our group. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, consistency and passion uh, are, are, are going to be the things that keep people in compassion more than more than you know just you know having people drill stuff over and over again but it's it's more of the uh i guess it's the human element we are still even though we're playing with toy swords uh we are still in the business of personal development yes and you can't develop as a person without getting personal I think taking that personally can sometimes be a problem and it's something we all do. Like if, if you have a student who quits or they move or they fall off for whatever reason and you, and you take it so personally because, <coughs> excuse me, you invested like you invested time, you invested energy, but more than just that, whatever you did, like they were investing time, they were investing energy and particularly if, they were doing well and then all of a sudden for whatever reason they have to stop it's like it it can crush you and it can make you feel like you did something to make that happen when sometimes you just have to accept that you don't keep everybody like just earning a black belt alone is something that like one percent of your students will do right and even though in saber that's not like a rank we all use um the 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 concept is still the same where you know getting to that high level where you know like um 
let's just use Doug as an example from San Diego Sabres, where like he is the person that most people go to or think about when they think about form two and when they think about an experienced uh, trainer, you know, an experienced instructor in the group. And um, you don't like 1% of the people get to that level. Now, that's it's probably a much higher percentage with Sabre because there's a lower percentage of people doing the activity. But the point is, when you get to those higher levels, it gets more and more personal for the teacher as well as the student. And, you know, it, it can be heartbreaking sometimes, but like you have to get past that stuff. You have to remember that there's other people that need your attention. There's other people that are still able to attend and participate. And they're not any less valid than the person that you were invested in that can't. And it's tough. It's tough to like. They're more valid because they become that person. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you want to get them to be that one percent. You know, you want that one percent to grow to ten percent. So, okay. So Nicholas, you've had a lot of time to think now. Oh yeah. What is something that you feel was a definite (laughs) hole in the Swiss cheese that was Cotno? Really, really bad leadership like just straight up Mm. like if you if you wanted an example of just how to not run a saber group it would be Kotno. the fact that it survived as long as it did i don't know how and admittedly i'm insulting myself here because i was one fifth of the leadership uh of that group i was a council member um now that doesn't necessarily mean (laughs) everything went the way i wanted it to but um basically putting self-interest over the group and alan touched upon this with saying like you know choosing to you know choosing to go see a game or go to a concert well not necessarily go to a concert but you know what i mean like going to do another hobby or thing instead of doing that or um using lightsaber or sorry saber martial arts to actually promote something else that you're doing (laughs) you know not really being present at your session you know you're there but you're not actually there um we we one of our the the founder of that group he um he did a lot of not so good things with the feminine members of our group and that stuff bled out into the group life and uh yeah it kind of began the deterioration from there and then katie touched upon the safety thing uh we had one member well one one of the members of the council very much did not like fencing masks and did not like lacrosse gloves and was very vocal about it. Um, And then he went and almost killed one of the other members who wasn't wearing a helmet. It wasn't wearing gloves and almost popped his eye out. So I don't know. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's, it was, there was a, I have a lot of stories of just a lot of failures on like all on almost all ends. All I'm saying is I, I did a good part at least. Like I was the head instructor. Everyone that learned under me, they did okay. Well, oh, you're and- you're still here. Like you you, you exactly. have you have your own school now. It's it's basically like you picked up the ashes of Cotno and created a little phoenix out of it, a penguin phoenix. And uh, I think you um, I think that like that in and of itself proves that even though the school can fail, the teachers can fail, the students can fail, everything can fail. You can still get some kind of success out of that situation. There's still something to learn and improve upon. And that's what you did. You, you were like, well, I could, this could ruin Sabres for the rest of my life, 
Or this could be one of those moments where I go, can I learn here? <laughs> and can I teach here, you know? Um, so oh, I yeah. think... I think that's like one of those things where you can you can turn negative stuff into positive, but you have to be willing to like reflect on it and go, this was really bad. We should not do that crap again. Yeah. Takes time. I I agree with Nick. Uh, he was when Cotno was still a thing. And Cotno in reference for people who are listening who don't know, it was known as Knights of the New Order. Cotno for short. Um so Nick was one of the, I think, the only instructor that Eric and I have approached and was like, hey, Ish was hitting the fan, my dude. This is our critiques. And that built a relationship with, because Nick took it in stride. He wasn't pissy about it and was like, well, you're wrong, this, that, and the other. And he wasn't coming up with excuses. He took it with a grain of salt and was like, no, I see where you're coming from. And that's, I think that's what Eric and I really respected about him, that he was accepting his critique, which a lot of people do not accept critique well. And the thing is, a lot of people don't understand that critique is because we see that we see your potential and we're not trying to harm you. We're trying to build you up to be better. And a lot of people don't see that. They see it more as an attack and it's not the case. Like I'm not saying all the time critiques are not an attack. There could be some venom behind it and some other sure. underlining uh, motivation. But most of the time, it's because, hey, I care about you. I see your potential. I want to help you. But Nick was the only one that was really like, no, I see where you guys are coming from. I completely understand. Let's try it. And then like we would come to a next tournament and we would see the change because yeah. he took what we said because he cared about it. And he's like, okay, I understand. And if there was anything that we didn't see or he was like, hey, we tried it, but we didn't really like it or it didn't just work well, then we communicated with it. It wasn't just like it wasn't like um, we gave it to them and he's like, yeah, I'll think about it and just didn't do it. You know, he <laughs> thought about it and then actually approached us like, hey, we tried it or and it worked or it didn't work and we had communication with it. And that's like a huge thing. Is yeah. that I think that's what's nice about SMAP. It was built on head teachers or people with experience reaching out with other, to other people who don't have as much experience and be like, let me help you. Yeah, that's exactly so, what the, the way it went down. I, sorry, Katie, you just reminded me of um, when you, the kind of like the straw, one of the straws that broke the camel's back was the Palm Springs Comic Con tournament of Cotno. Right. And where 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 you know who almost sent you know who to um the to the hospital. hospital right and oh, you kind man. of you explained perfectly of exactly like how I took criticism versus how the other rest of the council took criticism oh, and no, I don't I, I don't know if you and Eric saw but us like oh, off to the side you probably saw the other four members of the council all freaking out and me being like just listen <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I also I apologize to one of the council members because I knew I got in his face but I was very protective it's because it's like this is unacceptable and he's he was like hemming and hawing and just and then I'm like nah we no gloves are off now this ain't happening this guy almost got sent to a hospital he's one of our students my territory we're going to fight now I'm sorry so I felt bad I did apologize we're chill we cool the council member and myself 
like we're fine, but it was very much heated at the moment because it was very much, it was a very serious situation. It was a hugely so. serious situation. And it, I mean, thankfully it's all now water under the bridge and everyone's friends. Oh yeah. Them, oh yeah. Yeah. Part. Yeah. That, um, that brings up something that's maybe not like a good or bad thing, but like just, um, Oh man, I might had a little bit of a brain fart. Oh, like you got to remember, especially if you're like basically brand new to this, like let's say you've done a little bit of martial arts and you, you follow like saber groups on Facebook or you follow channels on YouTube or whatever the case is. And you're like, yeah, I think, I think I could do this. I think I could get a group together and teach some people a little bit and learn in the process. Awesome. So you already have the right attitude and all that stuff. You have to remember what you're doing is fighting. Like, yes, you're using toys. Yes, we want you to use technique over power. And most people feel that way, at least as far as lightsaber is concerned. But like, you're still fighting. You can't just let people be animals because that's not in the rule set. It's just not. And you you have to you have to like it's a fine line between fighting for fun and fighting for your life, you know? Um, and some people don't know how to ride that line. And you as the head person um, have to establish what the line is and never let anybody cross it. Like, it's not like, oh, that person went too far and now I have to reprimand them. Like, why did they even get that far in the first place? Because you're fighting and you have to keep the reins on that horse. Yeah. I, I think going, feeding off of what you were saying, understanding your fighters, that is a huge thing. You, especially in a tournament setting, you see your fighters weekly, if not like twice a week, compared to the other schools that are coming out for a tournament. You should understand your strengths okay, and weaknesses. Back. And so. So you need to understand what they're good at and what they're bad at and something that you need to keep an eye on because the other schools that are stepping in the ring with them, they don't know ish. They're just like, cool, we're happy to be here. And so when something like that, like a somebody really just strikes another opponent really hard for no apparent reason whatsoever, and that was not called for whatsoever, that is on you. You are their teacher not the other school. It's your thing. And so as a teacher, you need to be aware of your students. And if you're, if you know, a student is a problem child, they are not, they should not fight until they get their ish together, mentally, physically, whatever is there, you are responsible because I don't think a lot of people understand as you're the teacher, your students are a representation of you yeah if if your student is whacking heads like they're swinging for the fences it's a lightsaber one touch again one for t- the people in the back yeah <laughs> yeah seriously one that's touch, gonna be the common theme one tonight. Point. yeah it, you don't need to swing that hard you don't if they're if you know that they're prone to delay hits work on that if you know they're prone to power swings work on that power swings are not bad to a certain extent. Yeah, there's a time and place for it. Exactly. There's techniques where it applies. Of course. 
So, but you understand your students. So if another teacher sees your student teeing off on their student, there's gonna be issues. Nick is very well aware of this. <laughs> well, and it's like, it, it, it almost doesn't matter. Like, let's say you're going to another school and you're bringing students with you. Like Alan brings Kenny everywhere, right? And um, if- yeah, I can't get rid of him. <laughs> just, you, Kenny. Uh, just because um you know alan and kenny might train together a certain way like let's say I, I don't think this is the case but let's just say they whack each other a little bit harder because they're used to each other right and they automatically respect each other's level of um comfort with that so they just kind of let's just say they ramp it up a little bit when they're really training together it doesn't matter when you go to someone else, you play by their rules. So if that other head instructor tells your student in or your partner or whatever in a match, like, hey, dial it back, um, you you don't really get to be like, well, this is the way I train with so and no, this is the way that I train them to do it. No, what you what you need to train your students to do is be respectful of the other places you go. Like when you walk into someone else's house, you don't like tell them how to arrange their refrigerator, you know? Yep. So it's yeah. very similar. That That's something that reminds me and I try to bring it up. I think Nick remembers me saying this, that we were at another, at another Sabre, if you want to call it that, tournament. And we had a lot of critiques. Um, and so we... <laughs> We, I was taught, my parents are theater people. And so I brought, was brought up in the theater. You do not give critiques unless it's to the person, but you do not really start complaining about it, moaning and groaning about it until you're out of the house, which is the theater itself. Then you can talk about it because this is their realm. This is their territory. Unless you want to talk to personally to the teacher themselves and really try to iron out issues or bring up concerns or anything, don't say anything. Go off, go to dinner, go sit in the car, wherever. Then you can talk about it, really reflect on it. And if there is an issue, then obviously please bring it up to the Heather instructor and hopefully they will listen. But most of the time, yeah, you don't, you are stepping in somebody's house, their property, their realm. Do not step on toes unless it's obviously very serious you know? Right. Um, so, all right, let's, uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about some of the more semantic things that can, that can cause a school to either succeed or fail. And one of those things I want to talk about, and I don't want to do this in an accusatory way, but I want to talk a little bit about equipment requirements because for us, definitely, we feel that there is a minimum uh, and we don't really like to see people stray below that minimum. And that minimum just for us would be, let's just say training. We'll, we'll talk about tournament is kind of like a different class, but let's just say for training, a full fencing mask, helmet, HEMA mask kind of a thing, not a hockey mask, not a lacrosse mask not a motocross or paintball mask um gloves that protect all of the joints in your hand and your wrist 
usually lacrosse, hockey, HEMA, something like that. Um, and a mid-grade or higher blade. And now that term, I found out recently that the blade specs are very confusing to a lot of people. But if you were to go to like Ultra Sabers or the custom saber shop or something like that and order what would be listed as like a mid grade blade. A lot of times it's going to be lighter grade than you think. So when you start using things that are lighter than heavy, it just, it, if you really have to know what you're getting yourself into. Okay. We've had schools that train mostly with what they would call mid grades, which are actually a little bit higher than mid grade. Um, we've had schools that train with mid grades that are actually like light grade and they found out the hard way that that was really detrimental to a lot of their health. And most of us just train with heavies all the time because that's already what's in our hilt and it, we know it's not going to break. It feels like a weapon and you know, it builds up strength. That sounds like there's nothing bad about heavies well they are heavy a lightsaber is supposed to be lightweight so there is like a certain they're like almost too heavy to be really lightsabers but the safety benefits hear me out people when you hit somebody with a heavier blade chances are you also hit them with more control agreed no i agree completely oh my god I've seen uh, <laughs> less injuries with heavy grade blades than I have between like the light whips or the uh, mid grade blades. Yeah, usually it's a technique that injures a person with a heavy grade, not the blade yeah. itself. You know, yeah, it's a user type of a thing. It's I don't going off of that like with the training and minimum requirements and stuff. I always saw like at least the beginner students when I would talk when I taught. Train like you fight. Yeah, absolutely. So that way they're not that, that that way when they hop into the ring and they have like a full set of gear, they're not slow as like hey. But no, I agree with the blade thing because with and a lot of people don't understand with heavy grade blades, they're a lot more. What is Robert kept using the word? I think frigid. Mm. Frigid. <laughs> rigid. Rigid. I think that was the word he kept using. <laughs> It's a lot more stable compared to a, a lighter grade or mid grade type of movement. So if you decide to do like a quick like flick motion with your hand, the blade doesn't really bend that much. Well, lesser or lighter grades other than a heavy grade, there will be some type of whipping motion to it. And from experience, and I'm sure Nick and Alan can also agree to this, Having a heavy grade hit you, you'll feel a bruise for like maybe two or three days at the least. But if you get smacked with anything lighter, and I mean like almost the lightest thing you can think of sometimes, that bruise and that mother sucker is going to be on your mm -hmm. body for two weeks. Yeah. I have, and, and it's not going to be like this big. It's going to be like this big. And you'll see like the indentation of that line. Yeah, I have pictures. It's the... It's the <laughs> Are you getting hit by an antenna or are you going to get hit by a branch? You know, it's like yep. when you fetch the switch from the yeah. tree in the backyard, right? <laughs> 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 you know, uh, 
I, I won't put uh, any of my family members on blast, but I have heard choices like that in my life when being disciplined. <laughs> and uh, let me just say, the branch is a better option. Um, <laughs> you, you know, there are like, there are, like, I know TPLA, everybody's familiar with Terra Prime, they're a YouTube channel and they do a lot for people who just want to learn how to use a lightsaber. Um, they use a very specific kind of blade and it's like falls somewhere between what we would consider a true mid grade and a heavy grade. And they like, they just, they really like that type of blade. It fits the way that they fight and, um, they don't have a lot of injuries with it. Great. Like, I've heard great things about that blade and I know for a fact that the dynamics of it, the way it flexes and things like that, very similar to a heavy grade more than they are similar to a mid grade. Um, but like people don't know that a lot of people, when they're buying their first saber, they have like no clue. They're like, Oh, let me get this because lightweight must be like faster or, you know, um, must be brighter or, you know, it's cheaper and that's always good. Right. Like, but you have yeah. to remember, like, first of all, you can't fight somebody who's not using the same type of blade you're using. It's like oh, yeah. next to impossible. Somebody's blade is going to break that day and it's probably oh, yeah. not going to be the heavy. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You have to, uh, you have to account for that. Yeah. Right. Like uh, uh, if you're going to actually do combat, you two have to check, you know, the, the uh, types of blades because a mid-grade will bend as soon as you block with that heavy. Oh, and yeah. Sometimes it'll bend ball. so much that it, yeah. Absolutely. It'll bend so much that it'll hit you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it, it'll bend so much that it breaks. So mm-hmm. let's say you, like, participate in a different league that uses lighter grade blades, mid-grades, or what we would call feather grades or something like that. Um that's great. Go for it. You know, like if that's what you're into and you don't really care, like what league you're in, you just want to participate. Like that's great. What you I do, do want boo boo. Yeah. <laughs> what I do want to say is we've seen people who only train with the lighter grades come to SMAF tournaments and be completely at a loss for what to do with that heavy grade. Oh yeah. You know, and I feel bad for them in that case because it's like somewhere along the line, somebody told them that a heavy grade was more dangerous and it's just not true. No, it's not. I'm sorry. I'm very passionate about this. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not true. Uh, You can make arguments that again, the way something is used is really what causes the injury or maybe the person had a heavier grade and you had a lighter grade and you know, that wasn't fair. You can make all the arguments you want, but somebody telling you that the heavy grade is less safe is just false. So let's jump on. Let's jump on more of the equipment stuff. The helmets. We've seen a lot of kickback sometimes. We've had people apply to be in SMAF before, and we've had to tell them, like, you guys don't even use fencing helmets when you fight. So what, like, we can't let you represent the organization if you don't, yeah, I have one right around the corner here. Uh, we're getting our, 
our three weapon <laughs> fencing masks showed off here. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit first of all about cost. Uh, if you make gloves, helmet, saber the minimum, you're not really looking at a huge financial investment for your saber career. Um, you'll be relatively safe in all categories too. So let let's talk about price point. If you're willing to spend hundreds of dollars for your lightsaber that's in your hand, spend the 40 to protect your head. Yeah. Spend the 40 to protect your hands. Yeah. It's going to be less than the saber that's in your hand. That's right. <laughs> you're more valuable so than your saber. Oh, yes. Oh, my right. God. Oh, yes. Jeez. I mean, unless it's like a custom slayer from Key or something. I don't <laughs> <laughs> There's enough there's enough out there that if you were to check, if you were to research or Google, uh, you know, lightsaber or uh, injuries, right, you'll see a picture of somebody bleeding from the head, you know, oh, and yeah. like, oh, it was a, you know, we were just playing with lightsabers. Yeah. You'll also, if you, if you check, uh, if you Google fencing helmets, like dented fencing helmets, you'll see dented fencing helmets from just like foil and saber like from the olympics like the 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 antenna you know uh style (laughs) uh weapons that are completely dented like it should be round it should have you know some sort of shape to it but if it looks like a crumpled up piece of aluminum foil after just getting hit by an antenna over and over again guess what you uh Imagine that was your head. Well, like yeah. secondhand equipment too. I see people like, "Hey, can I borrow? A, you know, or can I buy a used helmet?" Like, yeah, but like, what are you going to pay somebody twenty five bucks for a used helmet or forty five bucks for a new helmet? Just spend the extra twenty bucks, and you know that that thing's never been hit by a bulletproof glass stick. You know, uh, you, you know, like. For me, I spend about $60 on a fencing helmet because I like the HEMA. I, they're a little over-engineered. I like the HEMA helmets. They just feel beefy and, and great. But, like, it's not. It's still not expensive. I'm about that life where if it's something harder than the thing you're getting hit with, <laughs> then it's probably a good idea. Yeah, it's a good investment, to, right? You know, it's a good yeah. investment, right? So if, if I'm getting hit, in the head with a, a steel long sword and this is the mask or the helmet they they sell to to keep the person safe that's fighting with a steel long sword it's probably safe for lightsaber oh yeah same thing with lacrosse gloves if you're getting whacked by aluminum sticks in the hands right. all <laughs> right. the time you know like those those gloves are probably okay for you so right. like, a lot of things because uh, the hockey gloves tend to be too big. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to bend certain joints that with the hockey gloves. That being said, they are very safe, you know? All right. So I get a lot of new members that are like, yo, emperor penguin. Guess what? I can't see sh- stuff while I am in the fencing mask. And then my response is always, Hey, new person, guess what? Get used to it. And that, that usually ensues an argument of, well, how about a paintball mask? How about, uh, how about a, a, a bat? I was going to say a basketball helmet, but that's not right. Uh, baseball. What, what's a, a baseball helmet? Baseball. Thank you. A Good baseball job. helmet. We, we understand that Nick does not know sports. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's weird coming from someone that like I, I religiously ball. watch I religiously watch football and it's embarrassing. I didn't think of a football helmet. Um so a lot of people they always ask me that. And I'm always just like, yo, dude, like you'll you'll get used to it. Like, I don't know, like I, I can't even think of a good analogy at the time. Like, you know how, like, when you walk into a really smelly area, but after five minutes, you're no blind to it? It's the yeah. same thing with a fencing mask. Your eyes will just get used to it over, like, a short period of time. And then, like, oh, wow, look at that. It's super safe. It's easy to breathe in. And it works. Like, I don't know. It's pretty great. I like fencing yeah. masks. For somebody who's claustrophobic, it did take some time to get used to it. But I'd rather have, like, my eyes and my glasses intact and my teeth intact and not have them at all. A fencing it's... helmet is cheaper than dental work. Yes, it is. Truth. Actually, speaking of fencing helmets, there's this is a good thing to say as well. There is the fencing helmets that have the, uh, like, visor on them. And I am here to tell everyone that has one of these, throw it away. There is Don't a reason it. they have not been allowed in olympic fencing for over a decade now they have literally broken and lost high level fencers their eyes if a tiny little sword can break through it during practice and break someone's eye imagine what a one inch diameter heavy grade blade can do to it story time i'm sorry piggybacking off of nick's statement igc tournament 2018 i probably said this in another podcast i don't care i'm saying it again we had a fighter coming from another school and he had a full fencing mask and he cut the part out and made his own improv to oh, visor S no. favorite. How Eric tests this fencing helmet to make sure they're safe was how he saw his fencing helmet get tested when he competed in competitions. He pulled out a knife, he takes the helmet and he stabs a couple of times with his hand, like not behind the mesh, but pretty close to it. So if it if the knight punctures it from a point, then I can't even imagine the power of just this coming at you and breaking it. When the the fighter came up to Eric with it, with his helmet, Eric took his thumb, not the knife, his thumb, took it against the visor. So well, the visor was about like here. And he pushed it in. If he really just went boom, he probably would have broken the plastic. It's and so he told the fighter, "You're not fighting this in our tournament." And he's like, "Well, it's, but this is what I this is my helmet. This is what I always fight in." Now this the fighter where he is coming from, he uses lighter style blades, and they don't use thrusting. That's on them. That's their school. Whatever. Sure, right. When you go to a different school, different realm, SDS allows thrusting to a certain extent. Like, don't straight arm them. Like, you break your arm a bit. So Eric's like, you're not using this. This is completely unsafe. And the fighter was arguing with him. He's like, you either not going to use this helmet or you're not going to fight. No in between. Safety is always key. Throw out those helmets for the love of everything. It doesn't really matter if you think you're okay. If, again, you go to someone else's house and they tell you, like, that's not what we do. Well, then that's not what you're doing that day. So be prepared to your house with my muddy shoes and get it all over your carpet. I mean, you might, but whatever. It comes down to like even just going to a class at another school. Like I went to a school um, just as a guest one night when I was in town and all of their fighters suited up 
in what I would consider overkill gear. Um, just, just to do like simple sparring at the end of class. And you know what? I just said, okay, like I don't own all of that stuff because I've never had to own it before, but I just won't fight with you guys that way. Like I just won't, that's fine. I'd rather just watch if that's the case. And I'm not going to like disrespect that you guys have a minimum that's higher than my minimum for gear. And that, that if anything, that deserves a little more respect on my part because you clearly think that what you're doing is more safety conscious and that's okay. I respect that and I'm not going to like mess with your guys' sense of safety just because I want to fight with you, you know? And like to their credit, a couple of their fighters like dumbed their own gear down a little bit and just sparred with me a little bit like not it wasn't like okay well you're you know we'll do it your way it was just like well we want to fight with you too so let's just go a little lighter and use a little bit less gear not a big deal you know you signed a waiver we trust you you know <laughs> well, on that on we that note so though like uh i think i've i've heard nick say this before the more armor that you have on right the usually the the harder you'll go. Yeah. You mm-hmm. throw caution to the wind a bit more. Yeah. Because you, you're like that, but depending on where you are and where you go, there might be different armor specifications, mm-hmm. right? So it, you know, minimum protect your head, protect your hands, you know, uh, recommended, you know, protect your groin, you know, wear a cup, your chest, <laughs> you know? your throat, sure. Yeah, elbows. Yeah. So gorgets and things like that. But at, there there is something to be said about going somewhere brand new and not knowing if you can trust anybody or how they train and everything like that. I found myself uh, in a situation where I'm like, I've never fought anybody here before. So I'm going to gear up. Yeah. I'm going to put on all of my armor just in case. And thank God I did, you know, because it was like, okay, well that would have really hurt, but my armor works good to know. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah. that, that's kind of, that's kind of how it, it is uh, sometimes because people get excited and they, you know, they, they might not be able to check. They haven't learned how to check their, uh, their power just yet, you know? So uh, I understand if it's something uh, of that nature where it's like, I don't actually know anybody, so I'm going to put on my gear mm-hmm. so I can do that. Yep. Now. I am one of those people that, uh, much like everybody here, I will will wear the minimum amount of gear if I trust you. Mm-hmm. Right? If I know you, if I've seen you fight, if I know that you you won't brain me, you know. Uh, and uh, I keep saying this: if I leave with the same amount of fingers I came with, <laughs> and I leave with the same IQ that I came with, then it'll work. Yeah. I'm good with that. Well, let's let's bring it back to like the uh, the uh, the realm of starting a new club up. I think what this really comes down to this point is if you're the person starting the club or the head instructor or one of the instructors, you all have to be again to use this word consistent in what you're recommending to people too. Like you have to be staunch about your recommendations. You have to really say like, okay, we use this kind of blade, we use these kinds of, or we, we would like you to use these kinds of sabers, 
we would like you to get this kind of helmet or maybe this two or three different kinds or what are most common in our group. Um, and I think just those consistent recommendations, stuff that you actually know works, like don't just recommend a pair of gloves because you read on some forum that those were great. Like, have you ever used them? You know, like uh, Katie's dad recommends the um, the rapier and single stick gloves from um, Purple Heart Armory all the time. And oh, they're, yeah, because they're Doug great. Like, lives by them. Oh, yeah. I love them. And they're not super high profile. They don't feel real chunky or anything. But somebody had to put their hands at risk to find out that they actually protect your hands very well still. And... Those are the type of recommendations where like you have a little wiggle room, but you still want people with experience to be making those recommendations. Dennis, your dad's teacher in form one and and as a Padawan and everything, like he uses a completely different style of gloves and it like it's still a good recommendation. It just might not be the style that everybody likes. So there are, there is wiggle room. There are things you can do to like have other people help you with that, but it's an important aspect. Uh, You know, my student just competed in the Sabre Light tournament in Virginia. He's 13 years old. He's not a huge muscular kid. Um, He loves to fight though. He likes to be good at technique, technical fighting. And his parents were like, what do we get him, you know, like for some of the extra gear that I, that is required in the tournament versus what we train with. And for me, it was like, well, I want him to not get hit hard. You know, like if he gets hit by one of these bigger people, I want him to be protected enough. So maybe you want to sacrifice a little bit of mobility for a little extra padding in certain areas. And, you know, you might want to spend $50 on that instead of 25 on that, you know, that particular piece. And his parents were like, thank you, because my son came back from that tournament unbroken. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know there's another thing you said once before, Fode, that, um, that I really liked. You also, uh, you mentioned this, I don't know where you mentioned, but you mentioned it to us at some point about how it is his training that would also protect him. Right. And I really like that because we, we should be teaching people as instructors, or if you are going to be an instructor, you need to be teaching your students to where they have the confidence to go, you know, low budget on their gear and be able to defend themselves and also leave uninjured. Yeah, that's so. true. Mm-hmm. And I did have that conversation with him, which was what he and I were training together uh, just a few weeks before the tournament. And he was asking me good questions like, what do I do if this type of fighter, what do I do if this happens and blah. And really what it came down to was that is like, listen, dude, you got to keep the blade in front of you. You got to keep moving your feet. You got to focus on what you do well. And if you hit them first, well, then, you know, you won't get injured. You know what I mean? Or if you get out of the way first, you won't get injured. But if you also fight them with technique and with a certain level of control, you will see that reflected back at you most often. You know, people don't like to be uh, the, well, okay. If they're aware, people don't like to be looked at as the, the dangerous one. You know what I mean? Yeah. At a saber event. 
Nobody wants that tag. And once they find out that they have that tag, they, they really improve really quick. They want to live that down for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people don't know it's them. So, again, if you're the head of the situation, you need to be able to tell people, hey, it's you that people are afraid of right now. It's you that is causing people to not want to fight the rest of the night. You know, that's that's on you right now. You need to bring it back. And it sounds like we're only talking about power, but I feel like that is the most common thing in new martial arts styles that people don't like. Like it happens in MMA, it happens in HEMA, and it happens in Saber probably more than any other styles. This is I'm just talking about Saber too. Like in other martial arts styles, some people do want to be that guy or that girl. Let's talk about being that guy, right? Ooh, because that's that's a rough one. If you are uh, not just that guy, but any guy, uh, and, and not being you know gender specific because it could be that girl too but they won't use that word um that dude so <laughs> that's so, gender neutral okay yeah, yeah, so yeah. Cal, I, would, I would still i would still call neutral. him a dude uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um if you are known for something if you find yourself with a reputation for that that is a reflection that you have to just you have to recognize right um if that's your school right and i love this because this is this is a very popular right now i mean are you john crease are, are you cobra kai in this situation you know uh, are, is there no fear in your dojo because guess what that's not how the real world works okay um that style of world, martial arts teaching died a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, and it won't, it will not be sustainable. It won't last long. You you might be able to to hustle for a little bit, but it, it won't last long. People will start leaving. Um, and unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for us, but unfortunately for the person that is that per that guy or dude, um, you know, that that's something that you have to grow out of you have to recognize it first you have to uh apologize to everybody you know that that uh you've done it too oh yeah and then basically you have to change your behavior which is hard um and each one of those steps is very hard um but teachers recognize the effort right and and that's the thing if you're trying though you can't just do it once you gotta do it over and over again because it because you have created a habit if your habit is to swing for the fences and all of your students swing for the fences right try to to decapitate your opponent you want them to knock that fencing helmet off of that pell or that bob or that other fighter right you will not be invited back to tournaments no, you will not be, uh, you know, welcome to events. Well, let's talk about traditional martial arts, too. I mean, let's say you go into a tournament and you enter a point fighting division and you knock somebody out. So people, like there's a whole cascade effect of things that could have happened to lead to that knockout. Like it might not have been 
even that you hit the person too hard necessarily. Maybe they they literally ducked right into your knee or something like that, and boom, clocks clocks stopped. But still, <laughs> the number of times that that's going to happen during the course of that tournament is going to try to be so low because people don't want to pick other people up off the ground. People don't want to peel you off of the ground and shove your tongue back in your face for you, you know? Um, so pe- people who organize tournaments don't want to use their EMTs. <laughs> right. Well, it's not just that though, is, is what I'm saying is like any sort of, um, I unbecoming behavior. If you are, if you're the, the guy that's yelling from the sideline and generally being distracting to the fighters, if you're, I don't know, uh, the know-it-all student who's always trying to teach for the teacher. Yeah. If you're the, uh, if you're the person that's just not wearing the right safety gear all the time, if you're wearing, you know, inappropriate clothing, whatever, whatever that thing may be, just know that you'll be known for it and you'll probably not be, you know, uh, because that's, that's part of your behavior, how you show up, right? Yeah. Who you are is how you are. Oh, there goes Nick. Yeah, there he goes. But who you are is how you are. And whenever we go into any tournament, we want to do our best, right? So why don't we show up as our best? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're going to run a saber school, unfortunately, your students are a reflection of you. So you have to be your best for your students. And you're going to deal with the positive and the negative. Like you're not going to go through growing pains without a little bit of pain. Yeah. And it, it is that you do have to grow. Yeah. Like my first year of teaching, I would just be doubled over laughing right now, you know, with all the stuff that I did. And, you know, it was a, it was a different time. Uh, <laughs> you know it was uh back when i was uh learning how to teach it was almost a badge of honor to get somebody to puke yeah now ah. i know that that person never came back right now i'm out a few thousand bucks during that year because they're not paying their tuition they said screw that guy and left you know and i'm like oh well hmm Hmm. <laughs> you know uh that's when, a good point it, it happens right it, we, we go through the growing pains but as adults who you know have jobs and have you know lives and families and things like that if you go to a tournament and you break your hand that's gonna incredibly change the the, the nature of your life for the next few months yeah right saber just by the nature of being so new and kind of niche um, is automatically not an activity where you can like use it as an excuse to call out of work or something like that. Like, Oh heck no. Yeah. I broke my hand at a lightsaber tournament. Well, unless you are a martial arts teacher and by the way, you still don't get to call out. You just teach with a cast on now. Uh, 
<laughs> if you, unless you like are a martial artist, like that, just that excuse just is not even going to fly. Not even a little. And, oh, you broke your hand and you, you type for a living. Well, you might be out of job now, like legitimately out of a job because maybe something you chose to do, maybe something somebody else chose to do. It doesn't really matter. You're still out of a job. You still broke your hand at a lightsaber tournament. That's the thing. We do want people to leave unharmed. You know, a bruise here and there, great. You know, sometimes you just no, literally great. It. Like we want but, you to have a bruise or two. We do want you to have that. Yeah, you but know? It's not gonna, <laughs> if you're showing up and you're going there because I don't know, you're a sadomasochist and you, you like being hit by polycarbonate <laughs> stick Woo! in the same place over and over again. Floggings for armor everyone. There. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, there's a group for everybody, uh, <laughs> probably on Facebook. But um, <laughs> I can't. what I'm saying though is that you know, you when you're running a saber school, if you're if you're trying to to become a new saber school and you have students, you do have to understand that that um, any endeavor needs a guide, needs a map, right? You have to have a curriculum. Uh, so good teacher, good curriculum, and you need a destination. Mm-hmm. That's it. So if, if the destination is we are training for the next penguin tournament, great. When is it? You know, how many people we bring in? And then there's a the thousand other things like, okay, we need accommodation and, you know, food and all that stuff, whatever. But if we do our job right and we run our school and we, you know, light the fire of inspiration in others to show up, they'll work it out. Mm-hmm. They will. Because again, we are, uh, we're professional adults that, you know, have put aside money for our hobby. You're right. And we've set aside a little bit more to get to that next level of our hobby. Right. And then we put aside our time, our effort, our energy to get to the next level so that oh, we can, yeah, to show up, you know, at a national tournament one day, you know, and, and just be like, all right, well, here, here we are, we're, we're fighting for the, you know, the championship belt or, you know, trophy or, you know, a, uh, I was going to say necklace medal. <laughs> <laughs> even just, even just fighting within your own school or club, like for just plain old bragging rights is so important too. And sometimes you go you go to these places because you fought the same person over and over and over and over and over again, you know. And, and you go to a tournament just to fight somebody new. Yeah, you know? that's true and, too. And, and that's that's kind of another reason saber schools have popped up everywhere, is um, because a couple of friends are like, "Yeah, we're really into this." Oh, you're into it too. Oh, you're into it too. And the network is growing, and that's kind of what you know we want as uh, the Saber Martial Arts Foundation to, to be is a network of people that agree to be safe, <laughs> agree to be uh, martial minded, right? Um, and uh, agree to have fun with, within the bounds of, you know, a weapon for a more civilized age. Well, I could walk into any one of your guys' practices and automatically know how to gauge my own activities, how to gauge other people's actions and activities, 
Like there, there's just a standard of, like you said, like you, you, everybody has like an acceptance of what the rules are, what the regulations are and what the, the guidelines are. I mean, it, it really is just a matter of like, if you follow some little things here and there, you're just, you're going to have a better experience automatically. So we talked a lot about safety specifically. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit and bring it more towards like the curriculum and the actual teaching side of things. Um, Cause newsflash, well, first of all, you have to have a curriculum. Right? Well, yeah, I was going to say newsflash. <laughs> not everybody that starts a saber school has either a curriculum or any experience teaching. Oh yeah. But yeah, that, the curriculum though, is that though it starts there. Yeah, exactly. The curriculum starts with what do I want to do? That, that's mm-hmm. the question. Exactly. That's the question. Well, what, what do I want to do? How do I want to fight? You know, um, for a lot of people, uh, it's, it, it starts with choreography. How could I fight like Obi-Wan? Okay. I, me and my friend here are going to recreate uh, a scene from the movie, or, you know, it might be something else that you did, you did out of some other, Thing. but everybody wants to look cool everybody's uh uh inspired by what they've seen you know and in movies usually uh in this day and age it's like oh cool check out that thing that that would be you know that'd be so cool with lightsabers you know <laughs> so it's uh it, it's it, it could start there and then you research what that is you know oh, okay well, Inigo Montoya is talking about Agrippa. What is that? Oh, Agrippa is actually a guy that taught, you know, this type of sword. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. This Fiore stuff. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Well, or maybe you saw, you know, The Last Samurai. And you're like, all right, Kendo. That's my stuff right there. You know, I'm, I want to be Hiroki Sanada. You know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. It, 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 whatever it is you're inspired by research it yes yeah that's the hunger 100 yeah that's your curriculum whatever it might be saber is the kind of activity where you can do that more too like it's it's much harder to try and be a karate teacher learning karate from a movie than it is to become a saber teacher learning saber from a movie not saying either one is necessarily ideal but it's much easier to do a fantasy style based on fantasy We've said this before and i'll say it again for for everybody there are no old lightsaber masters right they took stuff from everything all right and they smashed it together and what year was it that they they wrote fight saber 2002 2002 so it took until the prequels has, it hasn't them. even been 20 years yet yeah, 2002. Go, ancient history. Oh yeah, we should probably ancient we should shop. probably uh, you know codify this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, based on just the definition of mastery alone, like you should probably have like a minimum of 20 years experience in whatever it is you're doing. So, <laughs> you know, you can't have 20 years of experience at 19 years. Hey y'all, this is your main man, Foe. Just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Saber Martial Arts Foundation podcast. I really hope you're enjoying today's show. I also just want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor and the official Sabersmith of SMAF, Key Sabers. 
If you're not familiar with key sabers, well, now's the time to get familiar. They offer two flagship combat-grade sabers, the Persuader and the Slayer. The Persuader is a community favorite. It's been around for a while, sits at about 11 inches in hilt length. The blade retention is about three and a half to four inches, which is just ridiculous and super balanced. And the newest saber model would be the Slayer. Slayer is about 13 inches standard, but you can buy an extender for that to get it out to 16 inches if that's your thing. And really the main feature of every key saber is their all-in-one chassis system. The owner, Kyle, designed this chassis to fit the LED, the rechargeable battery, the switch, and if you buy one, the sound card, into this really sleek 3D printed design. Just a couple inches long, fits real snug into the bottom of your hilt, and it won't be rattling around and breaking stuff inside your hilt while you're fighting, which, of course, as a saber martial artist or just somebody who takes their saber fighting kind of seriously you're really going to appreciate that. And with the switch on the bottom, there's no greeblies on the outside of the hilt to like mess with your grip or cut into your palm or anything like that. The best news is SMAF individual affiliates can talk to a board member or members of affiliate schools can talk to your head instructor and earn special pricing off the entire Keysabers lineup. Okay, enough babbling. Go to Keysabers.com, K-I-S-A-B-E-R-S.com and add a real martial arts tool to your toolkit now. We just had some internet issues there. Uh, I'm a little behind. So we were talking about curriculum a little bit, right? And you guys were talking about, um, if I gathered this correctly, how you don't necessarily have to have identical ideas of what each form or style of fighting is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just have a yeah, basic understanding. Like, you're not going to do, like, you're obviously Mikashi is going to be more finesse oriented, but it doesn't have to be fencing, but you have to have an understanding of where Mikashi is based off of. I'm glad that you guys are saying this stuff because this is something I, I wrestle with, with people who I actually find that it's more common among people who have quote unquote experience in the saber community where they're like, well, form two is just fencing. Well, form based four is a screamer. It's like, well, no, it's False. all it's all lightsaber, first of all. Like it's it is it's none of the above and all of the above. And you can't box yourself in like form one is kendo. Yeah, but it's not you know it's if anything, if people who don't understand the forms and they want understanding, it's if anything, it's based off of this. You can understand, especially for somebody who doesn't understand the martial ways, especially like myself, when this first started, I don't, I'm like, what is this based off of? And Eric's like, it's based off of kendo. And then I see the motions, especially with SDS, how we do it. It's like, oh, this makes sense with the slashing and whatnot. Mikashi, it's based off of fencing. It's not fencing. It's based off of it because of the finesse of it and stuff like that. It's, as you said, it's, it's that, but it's not. You know, I think that's what people don't understand. It comes down to also like, do you want to teach with lore in mind? Like, do you want to add any geekiness to, to your to your curriculum? Because you, you don't have to. A lot of us choose to. But you don't have to. You could just base it off of fighting styles and just base it off of the martial arts aspects of things. Um, but yeah, a lot of us do choose to add lore. And to me, that kind of just makes it more makes it more fun. It gives you a reason to care. 
we we call it saber martial arts, right? We understand we're talking about a lightsaber, right? Right. Um, we don't call it an LED stick. You know, we don't call it a glow stick. We don't call it uh, Space Kitty Adventure. We, we don't have that. <laughs> I, know what you're uh, I, I know what you're going off of. I know that. But oh God. when we talk about this, we are still talking about martial arts. Mm-hmm. We're ta- that's the, we've said it this before, that's the center of the name of our foundation. For yeah, a reason. Literally. Labor martial arts. So it does have to come from a martial idea, has mm-hmm. to come from that. But we are talking about a saber with an ER, not an RE, not a sabre like Nick likes to have. Sabre. Uh, Le sabre. Yeah. So <laughs> if we're if we're talking about saber martial arts, we do have to treat it like the weapon we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all understand that it's a lightsaber, right? And it's not a katana, it's not a foil, it's not an epee, it's not a falchion, it's it's a lightsaber, 360 degree blade. There's a hilt that if you get hit in the hilt, hilts break, <laughs> you know, in 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 the uh, movies, in the in the canon, in the books, all the time. So when we put down a set of rules whatever those rules might be whether it be for choreography or just uh light sparring or even tournaments we want to keep it at that level of understanding and spirit of that weapon so whatever style you come from whatever inspired you to start a saber martial arts school if we talk about curriculum please 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 if you are trying to, you know, be part of SMAF or try to, you know, show up, you know, in SMAF terms, understand we treat the the weapon like the weapon. We're not smashing superheated plasma at each other, you know, bent into a blade. We're actually, you know, doing the safest thing we can uh, to emulate. It. That that was my my two cents. Don't call it something else. Don't train like it's something else. It is a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, and because of the copyright, we we're not the lightsaber martial arts foundation. We're the saber martial arts foundation. Sometimes I find with people who had, don't have a ton of experience, they they have great intentions, right? And like they really want to make their school successful. They really want to make the the members like good at fighting and learning and blah blah blah. They also get really susceptible to BS. Like, yeah, gullible. Um, they let like they they almost don't have a filter for, like this person clearly is a buffoon, you know, and they're like I'm not I'm not gonna call anybody out, but there's no shortage of buffoons in any martial arts style. Definitely oh, yeah. not a shortage of them in saber. There's yeah. there's a ton of them. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you feel like I'm talking about you, but what does that say? Like, you have to look at that. Like, if if you think I'm insulting you right now, think about why. 
are you one of those buffoons that likes to take inexperienced people for a ride? You know, because you don't need experience to take people for a ride. You just need to you just need to be aware of what you're doing. You need to be aware that you're trying to play something off on them. Not to mention taking people for a ride like that is a safety issue too. Oh, it's a safety issue. Because then you take them to a tournament and you put them against people that actually know what they're doing. And now you're basically just throwing them to the wolves. Literally. You're telling them you throw them in the pool. Tell them to swim. (laughs) Throw them in the ocean. (laughs) The pool. Go in YouTube, search (laughs) fake black belts exposed, right? Type that into the YouTube search bar. Come back to me later. You know, <laughs> it's it's there's no shortage of people who suck at all aspects of teaching and training in martial arts and just take hundreds of people along the, for the ride with them. And I actually kind of want to piggyback off what you're saying, Bode, is that. If you have a good martial art instructor either within SMAP or with actually your swordplay or martial art experience they won't have to keep telling you that they're good yeah like ever they will (laughs) ever eric said a good teacher or a good a teacher needs to man naturally demands presence when they are their reputation is known as a good fighter they have very diplomatic ways of speaking there's three of them and i'm missing i know i'm missing one and i'm paraphrasing so it's eric's a great example he's in a wheelchair but he knows how to fight he carries himself how you know he demands respect by it and he also is very diplomatic with how he speaks and so if you and so because of it the students or people who interact with him and for the age that he is, they respect him with it. I'm sure Fode and Alan, because you guys are a little older than us. That was one of the things that you guys recognized with Eric probably right off the bat of after crossing blades with him. Well, it's something I'm sure we both had to go through ourselves, like as younger teachers teaching people older than us. Yeah, it it's it's I think harder for new instructors, you are, again, especially by yourself and you have no experience whatsoever of just teaching, let alone a martial art, you are having an uphill battle and it is very hard and very grueling. Oh yeah. No, I'm not saying it can't be done. And it should be done if you really believe in yourself. Yeah. Understand that you're in a world of trials that this because you have to prove to not to yourself but to your students and if your students don't respect you something's wrong you need to take a take a look at yourself you don't have to be the best fighter you need to be one step ahead of the people that you're trying to improve and then eventually you know if you're doing things right eventually some of them most of them, all of them will surpass you. Like, congratulations. That's what you want, yeah, congratulations. Like, you did it. You achieved the dream. Your students are better <laughs> than you. Like, how cool is that? Uh, and they're better than you because of what you've taught them. Like, I think, like, ego is a huge problem, but it's something we all have. It's something we all deal with as teachers, too. Is like, am I good enough to, like, beat? 
this beginner? You know, like we talked earlier about not wanting to get mangled by a beginner. Well, are you good enough to just beat the beginner? Sometimes the answer is no, even though you've been doing it for decades. And like that, it just happens sometimes. And some people are freakishly gifted and some people get freakishly lucky. And sometimes you just have a bad day and like you're, you're getting beat by your students left and right. It's like, well, what, what do they think of me after the fact? Do I still have that respect, that rapport from them where like they know that like it's just a bad day for me like it's not a big they're not going to think that I can't teach them all of a sudden because they beat me once or twice i hear it from my students all the time it's like well you know i'll be like you did really great you hit me here 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 and they'll be like yeah but like that's the last time that's going to happen and what's like yeah but that's because as soon as i catch on to something you're doing i'm not going to let you just get away with it then you're not going to learn yeah you know? yeah but i want you to beat me like if you beat me, then now I know what I need to work on, which is probably what you're going to need to work on soon thereafter. You're growing. If you're a teacher is a forever student. And if you're not be. willing to be a forever student in hunger for improvement, you shouldn't be teaching. Absolutely. That's just how I'm going to say it. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I really liked what Katie said about having to command a presence and everything. The, so one of the things we mentioned a couple hours ago at the very beginning of this podcast is, I think Alan said it actually, get a couple friends, start a group. Now, there can be the problem of wanting to approach your friends with, hey, you're hitting them too hard. Hey, you're doing this wrong. Like, we need to fix this. There can be that drama that can stir up. And I have a lot of my own personal friends from high school and other sports that I've done in my lightsaber group. And that is something that has happened. Um I've also told a fellow instructor this uh, recently in the last couple of weeks because he's having the same issue. And the best solution is, you know, when you're at the saber session, you are the emperor penguin. You're the head honcho. You're the Palpatine. You're the Luke Skywalker. You got to tell him like, hey, for these two hours, for this one hour, you listen to me. I am your instructor. I am, you know, I'm the guy. So, yeah, you have to be willing to for an hour suspend the friendship and have that sensei student relationship benevolent dictator right yes i i actually want to piggyback off of nick with this actually you're piggybacking me off of my piggyback of your piggyback oh and alan's piggyback there's a Um, human centipede joke piggybackception we're just carrying (laughs) each other with this going with how you were saying when you be when when you enter the classroom setting you are leaving everything at the door great example Eric and I have been married for, God, how long have we been? We've been married for a while. We've been together for a while, 14, 14 years now. And so when we started, he was the head instructor. I am a student. And when we hot walked into the, uh, the park or at the basketball court, at that door, we are, no, we are still husband and wife and you know spouses. But when we walk in there, priority is, we are master and student. That is important. Your intimate relationships, friendships, or romantic, that is at the door. And if your friend is your head instructor, or if you're in the head instructor and you're confronting your friend about issues and they get all uppity about it, like, well, come on, man, we're friends. It's like, no, that shows they, they don't have respect for you. That's it. Yeah. When when we were at when we were at practice, Eric and I, we weren't like we're very affectionate. I love hugging my husband and he loves hugging me. We're not 
we're affectionate couple, but we're not like overdoing it. But I don't, I don't kiss on him. I hug him, like check if I knew he wasn't feeling good. I come over, I'm like, hey, how are you feeling? If I, he needs like a hug, he leans on me. He's the one that initiates it. I don't because I'm his student. He is the head teacher. And what would that show to our students that we're just basically being lovey-dovey? It's yeah. fine to have that relationship, but that's not, after a while, it's going to get sickening because people are like, he's only here because that's gross. I'm here to learn. You are here to teach. I've seen that crap in in like traditional martial arts schools as well. And it's even more nauseating because you have all the trappings of credibility all around you. And there you go, just crapping all over your own credibility that yeah. you have clearly worked and, and thought about how you're going to present it to people. You know, you've clearly thought about the, the presentation you're going to make in your uniforms and your facilities and whatever. And there you go. You just you literally just negated everything that you worked for to to what to have like a kiss from the person you live with or like. You know, like, yeah. like I don't, well, I don't understand. A great point. It's like you're literally gonna see him in two hours. Can you? I'm like, not. Well, yeah, because I think you guys, you guys have seen Eric and I interact with each other for years. You yeah. guys, I don't. I feel like if there was a problem, you guys would approach it. But we made sure that wasn't a problem. Well, it's not even apparent that you guys are like boyfriend and girlfriend, let alone husband and wife, unless it comes up in conversation. Like it just, you wouldn't know just by watching. Right. I didn't know you guys were like married when I first met you until like oh. we went to dinner and you guys were like holding hands and like, you know, calling each other names and all that. And I was like, oh, they're a thing. They're an item. OK. <laughs> but when there's sabers in their hands, it's all business. Exactly. Yeah, it, they're a really good example of that. So let's let's talk about everything you guys just said in a small phrase. Mm -hmm. And that's an environment conducive to learning. Yes. If you are going to run a school, you have to have an environment conducive to learning. You can teach your friends, you can teach your family, but from whatever time you start class to the end of class, that has to be solely focused on the learning. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and if you have the highest position in your organization, you have to act like you have the highest position in the organization. And if you don't know how to act as the highest position in your organization, you better fake it till you make it. Yeah. Right. You and ask for help. Like ask yourself. That's what we're here for. Yeah, you have to ask yourself, what would that person do? Yeah. And then be that person. You have to say, okay, if I was the head instructor and I didn't know these people and these people were my students, what would that person do? What would that person say? Well, okay. That's the type of stuff that comes out, though, when you are passionate about something, when you when you actually say, this is my end goal. And that's that's the hardest thing. A lot of people will go, hey, it's a cool idea. Hey, I want to hang out with my friends. Great. But if you're actually calling yourself a school, if you're actually teaching like time honor techniques, you know, and, and just switching it over to lightsaber that's all well and good but if you actually want to get anywhere you have to have a start time stop time you have to have that environment conducive to learning within those confines 
Um, like everything you guys just said, spot on, keep the relationships, the, the personal relationships out of it, except for teacher student, mm-hmm. right? That's that in itself is a different type of relationship. So um, if you are to have a student that you're related to, brother, sister, daughter, you know, uh, or if you're teaching your spouse or whatever like that, if they're really into it, you can tell because you know them and you have to be able to be at that level with them to be able to be like, no, from six to seven, I am Sifu, mm-hmm. not, you know, yeah. uh, not honey, not baby. I'm this person or whatever your title is, sensei or maestro yeah. or whatever you, your teaching uh, moniker is. And that's, especially as, and as a younger teacher, that's a little harder to do because you don't usually have that type of agency yourself until you've messed it up enough times to learn from it. Yeah. I had a martial arts teacher who, well, I had a coworker and when he was younger, maybe like 16, 17, he, uh, he had earned his second black belt and started teaching like five days a week. Um, and he was real, like, he didn't want to tell adults to call him Mr. Even though, even though that was like his right to be called that, you know, um, and an older teacher told him like, well, here's the thing you have to understand. You walked into the room with the amount of respect required to be called Mr. Like, whether your students understand that yet or not, they will based on how you, like Katie said, like how you carry yourself into that room. And when you walk in, you already have all the necessary prerequisites to earn that mister in front of your name. So by not telling people or not clarifying that you are called mister, you're like basically like we said earlier you're negating all of the the respect that you earned when you walked in um and it's just a matter of like if people are expected to learn something from you then they should expect to have respect for you um you know and and that that goes both ways we everybody knows respect goes both ways but the amount of respect that is required to be called Mr. Miss, you know, master, or even just if you just go by your name and people just call you by your name, but they have a different level of respect for you when they say your name in class, you know, it's like that, that is something that everybody can feel and everybody can feed off of. So I guess, I guess we're like at two hours already. Yeah. We'll probably have to do another one of these because yeah, this we'll, is a we'll topic that is, one. it's a very important topic and it's we've had people, oh yeah, and we've had people asking us recently about starting schools. So it's, it's very important. D- clearly we, we covered maybe 20% of what we actually want to cover and that's, that's cool. Um, it's great to actually do that. And we talked a lot about safety. As you can tell, that tends to be the most important thing to all of us. Um, you, you know, you could have the greatest curriculum, but people are going to leave your practices with, you know, 
broken stuff, then be it sabers or fingers, that's that's not a good look. Um, <laughs> and also, if your people are becoming arrogant or um, if your people are becoming elitist and they can't back it up when they go to other schools and fight well, there there's a problem there too, you know. Um, if you can go to practice there's an air of respect between all people and people feel like they're coming out of things with even just a little bit more knowledge than they came in with, then you're doing something right. You're on the right track and you can keep, you can keep rolling with that vibe. So anybody want to add anything to our first edition of how the F do I start a SMAF school? One, one thing's for certain. It's not easy. So if you thought yeah. it was easy going into this, hopefully this two hours, like really dropping the bucket really is a good starting point for you to realize that this is, this is an actual, like, it's like working a job, but for like no money. It is. And it, it sucks. Is. You have to be ready to do it. Yeah. Yes, it is. And you'll only, you'll only ever get paid in um, results, believe mm -hmm. it or yeah. not. And, and results not just in you but in your students yep that's that's the that's kind of like i know I, I hate to say this but it's just like what drives a teacher you know to if 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 you could condense the feeling of having a student get something right for the first time that they've struggled oh, with i would inject forever. myself with that every morning I don't right, condone the right. use of drugs, it, but I would I would be high on that drug constantly. Pill, people would be so so addicted to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great title, Alan. Uh, you only ever get paid in results, and once you understand that, um, you can really you can really get, start getting results and seeing them for what they're worth. So we do hope that everybody either starts or participates in some form of a Sabre school or Sabre club. And, you know, if, if this show or this episode, or maybe you had no clue until like just now that like you wanted to do that, if that's inspired you in any way, um, and you like, you want some help, please go to sabermartialarts.life slash being dash part dash of dash smaf. <laughs> okay. And fill out an application, send us a Facebook message, shoot us an email, anything. Um, people do it. And we've rarely, if ever, had somebody say, man, the help you guys gave me really sucked. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we've almost never had that because we don't want to give you sucky help. We want yeah. people to do well. So that's, oh, that's what can the I, beautiful thing is. Can I say is. one thing before we go? Yeah, go for it. Go. It's never too early to start. If you're thinking about uh, doing a, uh, to become a saver school and you have you and one other person you have a start, yep. mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't need 10 to a hundred students to call yourself a school. Mm -hmm. If you have one other person willing to learn, there is a teacher, there is a student. Congratulations. That's it. Yeah. 
That's, That's it. perfect. That's exactly what I want people to think as they turn this off. So I got to thank you guys so much. You guys have put in a bunch of work tonight between the holocron and the podcast and just giggling. So thank you guys as always. Love you all. And anybody listening, thank you very much for listening. Please go to sabermartialarts.life already because I'm starting to get sick of saying it. Uh, but I'll say it every time. So please bring your own saber. <laughs>